0: Hi, I'm Daniel Britt. The interview you're about to hear is with Eva May Lefebvre and Jimmy Jones. Jimmy passed away early in 2006, so this is a treasure to hear. It was recorded in Atlanta in a radio studio. We all went to dinner that night at uh, the OK Cafe in Buckhead. And then Mark Fuller and I brought Eva May and Jimmy Jones into the studio to record an episode of Gospel Classics, a radio program we had on at the time. And the audio you're gonna hear features the interview portions plus the setups that we we had setting up the songs, introducing the songs that were to be included in this particular episode of the program. So what you're gonna hear is is unedited from start to finish the way it happened when we sat in the studio. Hope you enjoy it. And don't forget you can hear more audio interviews online at you. Eva May. It, it's so good to have you here. It's good to have you in the studio with us because you have a lot of history in this industry and this music we know and love.
1: And I'm delighted to be here.
0: What role did you play with the caravan?
1: Well, uh, I was MC <laughs> and hostess maybe you might say.
0: That was ahead of your time with it, in that day, wasn't it?
1: It was. Not ahead of my time so far as uh, MCing was concerned. I'd been doing that for many years. And you think about uh, women
2: in that time frame, even before the 60s, you know, they didn't allow women to talk very much, I don't think, back then. And, you know, so Eva May was really a woman out front in the gospel music industry.
0: Well, also joining us on this program is Jimmy Jones, also uh, living in Atlanta. Jimmy, were, were you from Atlanta originally, or did you move here?
3: No, I was originally from Kentucky, but I had I had sung in Arkansas, Texas, and California, and quite a few other places. And I moved here in 1954, started a group called the Deep South Quartet for about three years. And then I went with the Lefevres, and I stayed with them for 11 years till I got off the road to quit singing full-time.
2: You know, Jimmy was hired to be the bass singer, and then Rex England came along. Right, yeah. And I think the story's well, told, you missed your part of something <laughs> or whatever. That was a big story. That was a story he
3: told all the time. <laughs> and there was some truth in it. But uh, Rex and I were very, very close friends, very good buddies. And
1: uh, Well, there's a- wasn't anybody in the industry that could sing bass one week and then baritone the well, next. Well, I, I, uh,
3: I had a fairly long-range voice. I used to kid get, get Rex and tell him that it wasn't that he was a better bass singer than I am but he just couldn't sing baritone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. But, but we had uh, we wanted to be able to do a, full, a male quartet. So I told him I'd be glad to do the baritone part. So we hired Rex and put him on the bass, and I'd do the baritone. And then uh, Pierce or Urias would do the lead and uncle F the tenor. That was the male quartet. Well, I tell
2: you, to me, Jimmy was one of the best baritones ever. Uh, I think he added very much... I said this to you many times that Jimmy added a lot to the Lefebvre's during that time frame.
1: I may not have recognized it then, but Jim is one of the best singers that ever sang with us.
2: Well, you're very kind. Thank and, you. And not only, I guess I was going to say this to later, but to me, he's the best at recitations out there.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. He's got that gift. But whenever you go and listen to the, uh, and Mark has introduced me and enlightened me on a lot of the the songs that uh, that Jimmy would sing and take the the lead part in, yeah. that yeah. smooth baritone voice. boy, there's nothing better. It's That's just right. smooth as silk. Is it?
3: We we always we had uh, quite a few numbers that my range and voice range and Eva Mae's complemented each other. She could sing. She back then she sang real high, you know, and she could sing the latest part up in the same keys that I sung. So I'd sing the the verses, and then she'd take over the, the lead in the chorus with the trio
2: on a lot of the songs. And I've heard you talk about that since I've gotten to know y'all personally, and kind uh, of find out that's some of my favorite songs, I believe, that the Lefebvre's ever did. We we had quite a few of them, like
3: One by One, and and uh, Jesus Used Me. And uh, Every Day. And every, every Day and Every Hour, and... Longing for Home, we had mm-hmm. several of them that right. we did that style. On Sweeter the, as the, the days, days go by. Sweeter
0: as the days go by, yeah. <laughs> and you're one of the first uh, groups to record Sweeter as the days go by, right? So I far believe. as
1: we knew, we mm-hmm. were the first.
0: I, I, I think so,
2: yeah. I'm yeah. not sure. But it was, was on the Feversing Publishing Company. And yeah. Is that correct? I, I believe, yeah, it was. Uh-huh. And you used to own that. Uh, I owned the company
3: for several years, yeah. hmm
0: not bad. Bill Bill Gaither brought the vocal band in just several years back and, and re-recorded that, and uh, all the new kids thought it was a new song probably. <laughs> but it's going for quite a while. Everything goes comes. Everything that went around
3: it'll come around again sooner or later. You <laughs> yeah, know. Right. That's true.
2: But talking about the uh, the popularity of the caravan, the caravan came in the early '60s, and that was before the Gospel Singing Jubilee, and it was on television and. You know, they brought four groups together. That was the Johnson Sisters, the Prophets, Blue Ridge, and, of course, the Lefevres from Atlanta, Georgia. And with those, I think that's the first time that, like, four groups got together. I think the Statesmen and the Blackwoods had did something like that together before then. But, like, with Georgia's comments, they didn't catch on as well. Yeah. So the caravan really hit the nation or the southeast whatever with a bang
1: we were coast to coast and border to border wow
0: it was the early days of television so and of mark has said this uh before you didn't have 128 channels like you have today right so you know most of the time i think you got
2: like picked up maybe three channels so you know you had what
1: what's so funny to me today (laughs) uh you know Everybody says, "Oh, you were on the uh, Jubilee," mm-hmm. and and after the caravan quit, right? Uh, we sang many times on the Jubilee. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's the way they remember, and that's okay with me. Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, sometimes I think they may think you're a vestal, but
1: oh, oh, right. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: one one of the reasons that the caravan I think was uh, so popular, and well, in the first place it was it was new, it was the first time whatever anything like that had ever been done. But then we had such a variety. We had two regular male quartets, the Blue Ridge and the Prophets. Then we had the Johnson Sisters, one of the sweetest girl singers in the world. And then the Lefebvre's, we had male quartet. We had mixed groups. We had instruments. We had, had so much different variety that uh, we could just do a lot of different things. So if you
0: get bored, just hang on. It'll, it'll change up in a few minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's, but, that's a success in television and programming, I hear. What year should the Caravan actually
2: go?
3: Well, uh, you know, I, I don't. This is not written in blood. It was about '61, I think, when we started, and uh, and I left the the group in '68. Uh, got off the road in 1968, and uh, the caravan I think did one more tape in session after I left. But now the last year or so, of the caravan it wasn't the four groups. It was All just right. the Lefebvre's and the and Spear the family. Spear family. All right. But the name gospel singing caravan went through basically through the
2: 60s right and 61 was the year i was born
3: coincidence
0: huh right. i was just a kid myself <laughs> <laughs> now, i know mark you and i have, have tossed the idea around wonder if who owns the name the gospel singing caravan who owns the rights to it uh, wondered even if we could name this radio program something to the effect of a caravan and get away <laughs> with it so uh... It carries a legacy on even today and i know many people still remember it um... even to this day
2: you going to play some comments that
0: I think so. You alluded to the comments that George George, uh, George made about the caravan. This is about a minute and a half long, I think. So we'll listen to this and then uh, get feedback from it.
4: You know, at, at first, uh, people thought we, that JD was my enemy and you know, all. But mm-hmm. when they found out all those singing news articles that uh, that uh, we were the best of friends, then then, then uh, they realized the situation. I really love if, that.
2: Story where you said um, you used to tell him uh there's nobody that yeah. hadn't rather hear sing or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, There's
4: nobody that, that I hadn't rather hear sing than you, JD. Your <laughs> <laughs>
0: your you, would have appreciated that joke, B. Oh, oh
4: yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And bless her heart, Eva May. She calls quite often and uh I I I love that lady. We quite when I was at Blue Ridge, uh uh the Lefebvre's, the Blue Ridge, and the Johnson Sisters, and the Prophets, we had a thing called the Caravan. You know, we did all over the country programs, you know. So those were incredible days.
2: That was a pretty, um, I don't know, a lot of people nowadays probably forgot a lot about the Caravan, but that was really a pretty hot thing going at that oh, time. Oh, man, I mean,
4: we, nobody had ever had crowds where we were having crowds, you know. Mm. Springfield, Missouri, nobody had ever much had a gospel sing there, and that night they had to turn them away, you know. Well,
2: I know back at that time there was like stakes from Blackwoods.
4: Yeah. They were going, was that before Caravan? Uh, yeah, they started everything before the Caravan, but somehow when they started their TV show, it just didn't, just didn't go like the Caravan did. And I think even May had the most to do with that because she, what a fine uh front lady she was and when she had rear back and life the people just <laughs> the people just loved that, you know. So um, she's my lady. She is the uh the the jewel of gospel music. That that show became popular and then of course uh, it was on a lot of stages. We were sponsored by Martha White, uh, Flower, you know. Right. And uh and a lot of the stations carried it so, so the God opened up a lot of doors there. Eva May this is old man Yance, and you know I love you, love you, love you. Nobody like you ever in gospel music, even. me Love you, babe. The comments
0: of George Yance uh, about the caravan, and George was involved with that, for instance, he was with the Blue Ridge Quartet back in those days. Let me ask you this. You mentioned something about a caravan album that came out. Is this something that came out in recent times, or was this a product that was put out around the same time the video, the uh, TV shows were out?
2: The caravan put out about four records, maybe five during that period of time. There was at least four plus a Christmas record, I believe. Uh, three or four. I don't remember which. It's either three
3: or four plus the Christmas album. Of course, they all came out during the 60s, the same time that we, the caravan was going, out. Yes.
0: Well, up next, uh, a lot of aspiring... Uh, female singers especially have looked up to Eva May as a role model and wishing they could sing either like Eva May or sing with the LaFevers. And uh Debra Talley is one we all know and uh and we hear her story on the videos and she tells it night after night about how she looked up to Eva May and Mark, uh we got a hold of Deborah and one of her probably best known songs I think the Tallies did that really featured Deborah was this one. So let's roll tape on on what Debra Deborah had to say recently About Eva May and the Lefevers.
5: Hi, this is Deborah Talley, and I guess everyone knows that Eva May means something special to me, at least those that watch the Gazer videos. And I've had so many comments, uh, over the years since that video was released, and, uh, truly Eva May is an inspiration to many people, but she was certainly, uh, an encouragement to me many years ago, and I think that's what has impressed me the most about her. Of course, her talent and the legacy that her family left in gospel music is uh, just incomparable but to get to know her what a sweet lady she is and what a dear friend she's become and i just can't say enough good about eva may and i hope she has many many more years here with us because we need her in gospel music and she is truly a sweet person and a great friend and i love you eva may
0: yeah, so, so when you see Debra, I'm sure you two have a lot of stories to tell, and uh, now that she's as big as she is, yes. uh, it's probably encouraging for you.
1: The first time I ever saw Deborah and heard her sing, she really got to me. And so when the program was over, I didn't know her, never met her. I went to her and I said, I don't know who you are, but I just want to tell you, you have a future, you're great. And she cherishes that to this day. She said she was discouraged, felt like quitting. You know, it's hard when you first start. And she was new to me, and I was new to her. But she said that really encouraged her that night. And so look what she is today. I said she was going to be great, and she is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No doubt about it. At the beginning of the program, we were talking as we were introducing Jimmy and Eva May and and how they would go through and, and do songs where Eva May would do one part and Jimmy would do another part. And they blended so well together and really complemented each other. And this is one of those type songs.
2: And this is one of my favorite songs.
0: Oh, it was, it was
3: always one of mine, too, one of my favorite songs. But this was, uh, as I maybe said earlier, uh, Eva May's voice range and mine, male and female. Of course, she sang everything's octave higher, but that uh, was in the same in the same range. And we did quite a few songs like this. I'd sing the verse. And then she'd take the lead, and the trio or the quartet, whoever was using, it, would sing the choruses. And uh, this was one that uh, I enjoyed doing—a song that's written by Marshall Pack. And uh, we—it was it was a good number for us.
2: Well, the album song—this came from the album Songs of Happiness*. Yeah, that thought, was that was the first album. Lefebvre's. First,
3: first album Lefebvre's made. Now, of
2: course, that's the first long play. They had many 78s Yeah. then. 45s. So that was the first long play yeah. album. That's 1957, right? But then you went back into the studio again uh, in the 60s, every cut, every, the same songs again. Some
3: of us on different parts.
2: (laughs) Do you know what year that was? Was that the late 60s?
3: The, when it was redone? Mm hmm. I can't, I'm not sure about the year. I don't know. I I know the first
2: one was with Pierce, the second one was without Pierce. I mean,. The first one was without Pierce, Yeah. the second one was with Pierce. Yeah,
3: the first one was when Pierce was in school at that time. The first one had uh, and Eva May, and Uncle Alf, and Rex and myself. That was the ones that was on that first one.
2: The cut we're going to play today is actually from the second album that was same title, Songs of Happiness, yeah. but the one from the, I guess, middle to late 60s.
0: Uh, probably was. I don't remember the year. hmm so listen now as we roll tape on every day, every hour. You're listening to Gospel Classic with a special emphasis this week on the Lefebvre's. Uh, Eva May Lefebvre and Jimmy Jones in studio. And that song there by the Lefebvre's, and we have to make a correction on the title. We got it backwards, Mark. You know, sometimes we do things backwards on this show, but uh, we really got that one good. Uh, Jimmy brought the incidentally, point.
3: Incidentally, we, we did a lot of things backwards when we were on the stage,
0: too. <laughs> <laughs> so you feel right at home, I, I take it. It's every hour, every day, as opposed to every day, every hour, the way we introduced it. You know, we talked on on a recent program about how songs would come out um, back in the early days, and everybody would, would do that song. They would perform that song. And so these days, you might know of a song, and it would be associated with one group and one group only. Back then, it seemed like everybody kind of took their turn doing a particular song, and this must have been one of those that... Good old gospel ship. Everybody knows that and loves it today. And a lot of the different groups did it. On that song, when I look
2: in the Redback hymnal, it says arranged, Alpha Lefever. Right. As so he didn't write it, but he. Must I don't. I don't
3: even know who wrote it. I don't. I don't believe it's. I don't believe it's it was in there. It's, uh, it's. that song. Of course, third says like I'll fly away, I'll fly away. And and when the saints go marching the in, a lot of there a few songs like that that everybody, even in the various different uh, uh, segments of music, different types of music, use those songs a lot. But uh, Uncle Alf arranged that uh, old gospel ship, but I couldn't tell you who wrote it. I don't really know. And talking about Uncle
2: Alf, he was a genius in music, wasn't he? Yes, he he was, for a fact. Uh I think a lot of people really didn't know what a genius he was. And he was a trooper as far as I hear about traveling. He was very easy to get along with. Uncle Alf didn't give anybody in any trouble.
1: <laughs> I sang with him 48 years, and uh, I, don't, I, I don't think we ever had a hard word.
3: Uncle Alf would not he didn't, uh, he wouldn't fuss with you. He didn't, <laughs> I don't think he knew how to fuss. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think you told me one time a story about uh, when Uncle Alf, didn't he have like a toothache or something like that? And he kept going. Yeah, Rex, Rick, I've heard Rex tell that several times. I,
3: uh, I remember it too, but then. I don't uh, remember it and tell it is like, uh, exactly like Rex does, but he had had surgery on his mouth, and uh, he went right on performing just as though, and he was bound to be in, in excruciating pain, but uh, he didn't let on. And,
2: of course, back then, you probably didn't have uh, like mouth surgery like you would
1: today. Yeah,
3: no. Back
2: then, it was I
3: rough.
1: remember that so well, and, and he had had his, Gums cut away from his teeth, some way. That's about all I know there. But it was a very serious thing. Mm-hmm. But he never complained. He but really... you know,
3: back then, and not, uh, not meaning to imply that, uh, people don't now as much so as they did then. But, uh, you know, we, we really worked, uh, back in the earlier days like that. Uh, we had to. But, uh, we, we really believed that the situation about the show had to go on, you know. And whatever was wrong, we managed to make it somehow, and we went in and did our work. Now, and when you joined the Lefebvres in '57, did the Lefebvres have a bus at that time? No, we got uh, got our first bus, and I guess it was about 60 or something like that. We traveled in uh, in the limousine for two, or three years after I joined the group.
0: Now, now you say limousine, but you're not talking about the stretch limousine with all the cookies and crackers and no, you know, no, no, nothing no, like no. that. This was
3: just uh, this was just. Uh, uh, a long car, you know, that had extra seats in the middle there, you know. Okay. Had a little bit more room. Okay. Yeah. I think somewhere on this program they ought to put a song in there. I don't believe it, it
0: ought to have just all of us talking. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's more songs getting in here. When you listen to the program, you'll see.
4: Yeah.
0: Our next song on the list of songs to perform, and, of course, Mark does a great job every week choosing all the songs and digging back into his collection and his archives, uh, this is the Hayes family. And the Hayes family has a neat little tie-in with the Lefebvre's here. Let's let's talk about this for a minute. This is a
2: song, off, actually, that's been recorded very recently, but they did a remake of an old Lefevre song off of an album that Lefevre's recorded in 64. If you all remember, I love him so. Yeah, I do now. I forgot it until you mentioned it, though. <laughs> I believe Uncle Alf wrote that song and Paul Hughes. I, I think that's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Paul was a bus driver. And speaking of the Hayes family, uh, whenever the, um, they come into town or whenever we can go out to see them, I know you see Eva May and Jimmy Jones there a lot of times. Mm-hmm.
1: I Make go, them. I go to them to get my spiritual help. They're uh, they're such good people.
3: They're, they're wonderful in this thing. They sing so precise, so true. Everybody is. There's just no mispitches. pitches. That's all there is to it. They sing well. what's written down there. They just, they're just they good. They're just excellent singers. I think singers.
1: they're the best mixed group. Well, I shouldn't say that. They're good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can just say they're one of the best mixed
1: Well, you know, I like them. I, yeah. I just think so much of them. When they come to Atlanta, Eva Mae's got to be bad off if she doesn't go to see them <laughs> yeah. or any place around close. Do
2: you know what I like about the Hayes family is they're good, but
1: they don't know it. Yeah.
2: And there's a lot of groups that are good,
0: and they know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. And you know, whenever you go to a Hayes Family concert, a lot of times you can look over the audience. And as you mentioned, you'll see Jimmy Jones, Eva May, and another very – Stan Whitmire. Yeah, Stan Whitmire is there a lot of times. And uh, a lot of people that actually come and give of their time, and people who are in this industry who who you know might not want to spend their free time in it more – but they come to this because they're so good, they truly get a blessing off of the Hayes family. Well, whenever, at the
2: quartet convention, the night they sing, you'll see a lot of the singers like Gerald Wolfe come in just to hear the Hayes family. Yeah,
0: They're a singer's group. You've hit the nail on the head, and I'm going to hit this button right now. We're going to listen to this. a great rendition of I Love Him So by the Hayes family. Gospel classics with the LaFevers and Oh, Daniel Prade. Boy, that was a song pierce liked, didn't he?
1: Oh yes, he liked that. He he liked uh, that song where we just, everybody singing their part. Delivered and, by the hands of. Delivered Pharaoh. Yeah. from that by the hands of Pharaoh.
2: Or from the hands
1: of. Pharaoh. From the, ah. yeah.
2: Well, there we go again. <laughs> uh, but oh, Daniel prayed was written by Dad
0: Spear, right?
3: Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't really know for sure, but I don't I don't think Why so. That matter?
0: Bill Bill Gaither wrote "O Daniel Prayed" and, and that's a wonderful <laughs> job, <laughs> just like he did, <laughs> all
3: because of God's amazing grace. <laughs> <I know. laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I said that one day on the program that Bill Gates wrote it all because of God's amazing grace. And and we didn't catch it. <laughs> and I got to thinking in my apartment, I wouldn't rest until I found a copy of the music. And when I looked, he didn't write all because <laughs> of
4: God's amazing grace.
2: But it sounds like he could have. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. Old
3: Daniel prayed came out before Bill, before he ever came on the stage. I started to say yeah. it
4: probably yeah. before that's... he was born. <laughs> oh, I know, it I know it wasn't Bill Gates. Yeah,
3: that. yeah. I, I took you serious. You pulled my leg. I thought you meant
2: <laughs> Up next, we have a song by Greater Vision. This is a song the Lefebvre trio was very famous for back in, I don't know, how many years Joe did that?
1: Ever since Noah? Or <laughs> <laughs> It was, uh, you know what? People loved the song so much by the Lefevers until when I couldn't reach an audience any other way. I could take that song and get to their soul and to their heart and to their mind and make the program easier after that, you know, to sing. Sometimes people don't like you. They didn't come to see you. They came to see somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so you have to consider that and pull pull out your sugar stick once in a while. And that was one of my sugar sticks.
2: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) there you go. When the greater vision first formed, uh, and this is with Mark Trammell. I can't think of the tenor's name. And Gerald Wolf, they, of course, being a trio, they did a few Lefebvre Trio songs. And I believe Gerald's actually playing the piano on this thing, and he sounds a lot like Eva May on here. I love it.
0: It's when the gates swing open, let me in. Greater Vision on Gospel Classics. Now, as you know, we're doing a special program on the Lefebvre's, and that was a song that Lefebvre's used to do, right? That's right, the Lefebvre Trio. Well, we've got Eva May Lefevre in the studio with us, along with Jimmy Jones. And we talked earlier about Jimmy and, and the smooth baritone voice that he has, and at one time also sang bass for the Lefevre's before Rex Nealon. But uh, I think that, I don't know, when you compare the two, especially in, in this day and age, I think probably Jimmy is most known now probably for his recitations, because you've seen several different uh, versions of, of recitations that uh, Jimmy performed on the Gaither videos. And, of course, you know the videos, something on there, it's going it's to be seen by a lot of people. And uh, we've got a song that's probably one of Jimmy's most well-known recitations lined up next, Mark. Not only
2: did Jimmy um, recite the recitations, he wrote a lot of them. And this is one that he wrote back in 19... Well, it was on the album 1964,
3: but... I, I wrote it about 63, I think. I believe it was copyrighted in 1963. It was the first... Uh, first recitation that I wrote. Now, were you actually talking about your father? or I, I took it from, uh, it was about my dad and me as I was growing up. And uh, we was a large family. I was one of 11 kids, you know, on a little farm out there. And it was very similar to my life with my dad. We, He and I were very close. We were very poor, but we were
2: close. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bill had Jimmy Doe. Du- Lord, It's Me Again, on a video, but this is a cut from the Lefebvre's back in 64, you know, with Lord, It's Me Again, and the Lefebvre's sort of come in, you know, and sort of hum behind him, and I think mm-hmm. it really gives it a very special effect. One little funny story, I don't know how much this you'll be able to keep, but um, I mm-hmm. think one time somebody just went on and on and on and wanted you to know, encore, Lord, <laughs> It's Me Again. <laughs> And you said it's not a good idea to encore recitation. Uh, Even they put me on for an encore in a church in Cincinnati
3: one time, but that second time around it didn't go very well. <laughs> yeah, I learned my lesson. That was, that was the only time I told them I said we don't encore recitations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let me let me tell you what I think. You know George Johns is very good at such as what we're fixing here, mm-hmm. and there's another one or two that does it pretty good. But Jimmy Jones, to me, is the master of all this. Anytime uh, a recitation is to be given, I think Jimmy Jones is number one.
0: He does a great job. And if you've never heard Jimmy do a recitation, you'll want to listen to this and just listen to this. how he masters this. Uh, and he also wrote it, so there's a lot of talent in that one man we know as Jimmy Jones.
2: And one other thing, um, I have the privilege of getting to play for him sometime when he does these. And of course, I've listened to these Lefevre records over and over in my in my lifetime. And so, um, when I'm listening to him and the speaker, I'm thinking he sounds the same as he did back then. So, you know, you're very kind. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Lots of things have changed, all right. <laughs> no, I just gonna say I still enjoy it, and Lord's been awful good to me. I still get around once in a How while.
1: Do you, Jimmy?
3: I'm 48. <laughs> no, I'm 82.
1: 82. Yeah. Well, then I'm almost four years old, older than you. Life changes, then. Yes,
2: it, it does. <laughs> One other thing that happened, I remember, was, this. you know, uh, we were in, Ch- in Chattanooga with Bill Gaither, and he had never talked to you about doing a recitation or anything, and I was sitting next to you on the second half, and Bill, we're... He cranks up supper time, you know, which has a. Uh,
0: you you just hear the introduction, right?
2: Right. And he's doing supper time, and I'm thinking, well, George's not here, you know, so, therefore, there's a recitation in this song, and I looked to you know, try to get his attention. I said, I believe he's gonna to come to you with a microphone, you to do the recitation, and all you know, all of a sudden he comes over there with a the microphone, and hands it to
3: you. Ben, ben Spear was singing the singing the verse, singing the song, and you know when he got to the, to the place for the recitation. Well, he walked over and I had to put the microphone down. I didn't know it was coming,
2: but <laughs> fortunately I remembered it well enough to get through it. <laughs> it's amazing how he remembers the words of those recitations when that was not really a recitation you do very often. No, no, I never did feature that one. But they, for
3: some reason, uh, I don't know why either, but I forget everything else, but I never forgot one of those. I can hmm. do every one I ever did, I guess.
0: So here's Lord, It's Me Again featuring Jimmy Jones with the Lefebvre's on Gospel Classics. Now, we're talking about the Lefebvre's and several uh, personnel changes went through through the years. Because how many years were the Lefebvre's together from, from the early trio days until the day that it went to the Rex Neon Singers? How, how long of a period we're talking about?
1: 1934? Uh, we married in 34, you us, and I. And then in 35, we started. And Uriah's died in 1979. So how many years is that?
2: Well, it went to the Rex Neelan Singers. Uriah's came off the road in it's 1974.
1: 75. Four. 75. He quit in 75, and I quit in 77.
0: It became the Rex Neelan Singers, even while Eva May was still yes. in the group, right?
1: I stayed two years longer. Than uh, your ass did.
2: So. Actually, no. The Lefebvre's name stayed till 77. When she retired, it changed. Oh, okay. She stayed on, and Rex kept the Lefebvre name until
0: 1977 when she retired. So, when there were no more Lefebvre's in the group, he decided he'd better change the name. Well, one of the uh, talents that came through the Lefebvre's that we know today, and many people, you know, I come across, they don't remember this. They. They didn't probably wouldn't even guess she's that old. But Janet Pascal started out with the Lefebvre's and then went uh, when they merged over to the Neelands, the Rex Neeland Singers, and now Janet's doing a lot of great solo work across the uh, across the country, and even traveling overseas doing a lot of ministry. Uh, Janet Pascal used to sing with the Lefevers. What year uh, did she start?
2: She started in, in March of '75, and she continued there, of course, through the Rex Neeland Singer days until 1981.
0: So Janet Pascal, obviously very close with the Lefevers, we were able to track her down in Nashville, and we got some words from from Janet recently.
5: Hi, this is Janet Pascal. I had some wonderful years with the Lefevers and was so privileged and so honored to sing on the stage with Miss Eva Mae Lefevre. Um, as far as I'm concerned, in my book, she absolutely hung the moon and uh, in my concerts my solo concerts and on the tour when i sing i i always recall some wonderful advice she gave me some little gem that she offered me during my tenure with her She is a giver. She is the queen of gospel music as far as I'm concerned. She is always gracious, always a lady. I don't know what she does, but I tell her all the time from the day I first met her years ago. She hasn't aged today. I don't know what her secret is, but if you could bottle it, we would all be rich. (laughs) But she is a wonderful, wonderful lady, and I am so thankful to the Lord for letting me not only know her, but to be able to spend time with her. I love you, Eva May. And please don't ever change. Stay just the way you are, and I look forward to seeing you again.
1: I really appreciate such as that. You know, uh, I've been living alone now since my husband passed away uh, 23 years ago. And I know a lot of people love me, but I I have a lot of lonely times now. And I can just think of all these things that people have said about me, and it's thrilling. It, It keeps life anew, it seems like.
0: It's always encouraging to to hear from a friend maybe you haven't seen in a while. And I know as performers, they're always traveling. And and, uh, if it weren't for the homecoming videos, you really might not see each other as much as you do now. Janet uh, was featured on a song we've got lined up, Mark, with the Lefebvre's that the Hoppers have recently recorded and made a hit out of. But this was the original.
2: They're probably the second group that recorded that song back in 1975. And, uh you know, Janet was only 18 years old, maybe 19 by the time this was recorded. Now when you hear Janet sing, she's a lower singer, but this mm-hmm. is back when she was singing a soprano. And um, Ronnie Hutchins takes the lead on the uh, verses, and, of course, Janet does some singing on the choruses. Do I sing up. on this one?
0: No.
1: Oh, me.
2: And <laughs> <laughs> she goes higher and higher and higher.
0: Yeah, uh, I know that one tape will sort of, uh, over the years, gradually uh, adjust its pitch. But also, just because, like you said, she was only 18, you'll have to really listen. You can hear some of her Janet Pascal inflections that you just know that's Janet, but her voice will be higher, so you will have to really keep a keen ear out for that. Well, she actually sung
2: soprano during the years that so she was with the Lefebvre's and the Rex Moon Singers. She was the first soprano that did We Shall Wear a Rope and Crown with the Rex Moon Singers. And I know a lot of people associate with Karen, and Karen did sing it many, many times in the years, and every other soprano they have, and even Amber today. Yeah. But Janet uh, was the first soprano to sing We Shall Wear a Robin Crown.
0: Well, here they come, the LeFevers, with Here They Come, featuring Janet Baskell on Gospel Classics. You know, this next song, we have played this song by a more current group, or more recent group, the King the Bears from Dollywood. We recorded this song. But they, then again, we bring up this word, original. The original version was back in what year? This had to be the early 60s,
2: because this was off the album uh, Rainbow of Love, and that was the album that Pierce didn't, was Pierce, which was Eva May's son, or Eva May and Ross's son, who traveled the group. But this is the year that he went off into the Army or somewhere or, into the service? It... I thought I thought no Pierce
3: is, is singing on this. No. On All Aboard, Let's Go. Right.
2: He's not on my album, Rainbow of Love, that's the one he's not on.
1: Well he had had he gone into service for six months?
2: That's the album that has uh Where Will I Shelter My Sheep.
1: Well he was in he was in service at uh, that time. That was when the law was when you turned eighteen yeah. you had to serve six uh, months. He, he said, when you sent that to me in the service, but and I heard my Read It matter. Sing. We're just talking
3: about rain. Well, it's where will I shelter my sheep is not on that rainbow of
2: love. It is. It starts off with, I'm his and he's mine, then goes to Jesus, use me, and then it goes into, where will I shelter my sheep? And then, I think, joy bells. And then it goes into just a little talk with Jesus. The other side has, all, <laughs> all aboard, <laughs> you'll find a friend... Um, and Milan's little song, um, everyone has a guardian angel, and then it has Rainbow of Love, and then um, Just As I Am, I believe, or something like that, or Precious Memories One. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We're talking about Rex on this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it doesn't make a difference.
0: This was in what year? Early
2: 60s. About 62, 63, I suppose.
0: And Rex Nealon really took off on this song, right? He did. You know, the Kingdom Mayors had
2: previously recorded another song that Rex had sung, which is I Love to Call His Name. that went number one for the Kingdom Mayors. So I guess they tried to maybe see if they might hit number one with a second song like that. But Rex, he was a a great bass singer, very smooth and one of my favorites. Rex was,
3: was very good. In fact, he was the best on this type of song of, of any bass singer I ever, I ever heard. He he did... You know where we got this song, don't you? No. Uh, this, this was... Uh, we got this song, All Aboard, Let's Go, and I love to call his name. Both we learned from an album of uh, black singers. And the bass singer was called Jimmy... was named Jimmy Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and he was the best one of the best bass singers I ever heard in my life. Yes, he had a voice like a pipe organ. But uh, that's where these uh, originals... I mean, these songs like All Aboard, Let's Go... And and a lot of the ones that they sing today, like uh, this version of uh, of uh, Farther Along and the the swing version of uh, of When They Ring the Golden Bells, nearly all of those came from Jimmy Jones with the 20, uh, the Harmonizing Four, I believe, is the name of his group. So are these actually considered spirituals back then. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. they were spirituals that we learned from this uh, this album of Rex found it. And, uh, he's one, he's, he introduced it into the, uh, our gospel world. Was it a
2: big hit when you were performing on stage? Oh, yes. Oh, it was, yes. Was, it was a
1: People cared to Showstopper.
2: Better. Both of them were. Mm-hmm. You know, also did this on Old Friends video. I think it was you playing the piano, and, um, Rex did a little part of it, and, and Kelly and Jerry. And, and, Mylon.
0: And, and Mylon popped up there. Right. Our our time is uh, running out. We've had so much fun, and and I know we've got a lot of things to squeeze in. But I wanted to cover this because, Eva May, we talk about how the Lefebvres had the original song here, the original song there, how they were really uh, pioneers in in the true sense of the word. I mean, they really were. Uh, And then you get to the early 90s, and Bill Gaither gets this wild idea. Let's do a music video and bring in all of the legends of gospel music. So he does, and that's a success. Well, while they're changing videotape, as I hear, or something for this one little music video that the Gaither Vocal Band wanted to do, Eva May finds a piano in the back room. And tell the story that you have, Eva May, about how all this sort of started with that first video.
5: Well,
1: we practiced about two hours to sing one song with uh, Bill Gaither and his group. Mm -hmm. We got that done. Then we had, uh, uh, they brought in food for us to eat around 12 or 1 o'clock that day. And so we all went in there, and everybody was eating up storm, and I, for some reason, was not hungry and did not eat. Hmm. And I went back into the studio and just started playing. I was the only one in there. Started playing the piano, and somebody heard me, and then they come. And when they did, we began to have a jam session. Yeah. So the man that had the – we only had one camera. The man that had the camera called Bill Gaither outside eating, and says, they're doing some terrific stuff in here. Would you like for me to get all of it? And Bill Gaither said, sure, get everything that's going on. That's what started. Uh, Bill Gaither had no idea that it would turn out like it did. But that was the first rec- uh, t- video that was ever made.
2: And that was back in 1991, and that was just before my 30th birthday. And I can remember when Bill Gaither had called her, they were just supposed to do one song, Where Could I Go, but to the Lord. And uh, she went to Nashville to do that. And, you know, everybody thinks that Bill planned all this, but it really, it was a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I can remember you praying, and they played this, pr- I think you said something about, in the video, if God will anoint us, this will bless everybody that hears it. And, I think it's a proven fact that the videos have blessed many, many people
0: if you really want to get out of things and look at the sales charts and uh you know the really competitive nature of the music business, Bill Gaither is right up there at the top with with your secular artists the the pop queens and kings of the world you know your your very your your popular music of today in the secular business. he is right up there competing head to head with them, and a lot of times. Outranks him.
1: Last month, several months, he passed everything in the United States at sings.
2: Yeah. A lot of people say, well, Bill Gaither's getting rich off these videos. What, did you, what do you say about that even? Uh,
1: Bill Gaither was a very, very, very rich man before he ever started any of this. <laughs> and he puts out money by the hundreds of thousands to keep this going. And so he's a good man, and he's a very honest man. And I do think he's just as anointed to do what he's doing as the preachers are that get up in the pulpit and preach.
0: Mm-hmm. I've I've studied Bill since uh, since my knowing of him, which is probably about the early nineties, mid nineties or so, and um, I, I've I've looked at his formula, and, and I just think he's in in the worldly sense or the human sense, what you would consider just kind of a, a genius. I mean, yes. because the, what his the formula he uses. Uh, but I know he didn't get there uh, without the Lord. He certainly has anointed.
1: He's been a good Christian all his life, as so far as I've, you know, all the things I've heard and read yeah. about him. He's a wonderful man.
0: Well, with the homecoming videos, we we get to see Jimmy on the forefront every day and Eva May on the forefront with the videos. And a lot of the, uh, the gospel artists frankly, who might not uh, really be traveling today if it were not for the Gaither videos and the television. Once again, we go back to television, uh, where we came from in the caravan. We're now back to television and seeing the boost in gospel music that it's doing today. And um, a lot of the... uh,
1: When my husband died in uh, 1979, I quit singing for several years. People didn't know, you know, where I was. I just... I'd never sung without my husband hardly, and it was a very hard time for me. But Bill Gaither brought Southern gospel music, me, and many others back that people, you know, we hadn't sung in years. So we're very grateful to him.
2: You know, and the saying, out of sight, out of mind, you know, Yeah, that's a little true sometimes.
0: Well, one of the artists that uh, that we get to also see a lot on the videos and uh, are really glad that uh, that he is still out traveling as much as he is as Jake Hess, back on a Christmas Eve edition of uh, of my afternoon program, Mark Fuller came in. One of the first times I would met Mark, he brought in a lot of his uh, his classic Southern gospel Christmas tunes in, and we just spent two hours uh, uh, playing music. And then we we got some phone numbers, so we called uh, various people. Like uh, I know Connie Hopper, we, we called, and Eva May we called her, and Eva May was in the car. Uh, heading over for a Christmas event on Christmas Eve in Atlanta, and then later we talked to Jake Hess, and I've put together uh, a clip from that phone call we had uh, where we talked to Jake just after we hung up the phone with Eva May, and listen to this. I have a very special guest on the phone with me right now, direct from Columbus, Georgia, another living legend on the phone with us, Mr. Jake Hess. How are you this afternoon?
4: I'm nothing but fine.
0: You lived in Atlanta for how many years when you were with the statesman?
4: Seventeen years.
0: So you so you know a good good bit about Peachtree, huh?
4: Oh yeah. It's busy right now, isn't it? <laughs> it sure is. It sure is. Can can you believe Eva
0: May was out there driving around Atlanta by herself?
4: Oh yeah, I believe Eva May can do anything. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Jake, uh, Eva May, you know you've you've got friends all over the place and uh it's good to rub elbows with, with people like Jake Hess and Deborah Talley and, and uh, Bill Gaither, isn't it?
1: Amen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, we thank a lot of you, and we do appreciate you and, and Jimmy Jones coming in uh, to do this. We've learned a lot, and if we had more time, we could fill it up just as easy as we filled it this hour. There's so much history in the Lefebvre's, we really haven't even tapped into uh, an inch of it.
2: And before we leave, we can't leave without talking about Eva May Lefebvre's piano playing.
0: Eva May was the piano player of piano players. How long has it been since you've really been able to, to play?
1: Uh, probably about 10 or 12 years ago when I had a very bad sickness, and it, uh, the doctors never did know what was wrong, but they said it was something like a uh, stroke maybe. Hmm. And so when it was all over anyway, I couldn't write my name, and I couldn't play the piano fast like I always had. Well, I've learned to write my name again, (laughs) and I can play slow songs, but I cannot play fast anymore.
0: Those fast songs were really a signature for Eva Man. The piano style was so unique. Um, How was it different from other piano stylings in in that day?
2: Well, in in that day, um, and I think Jimmy can agree with this, whoever was on the radio, you could tell who it was a lot of times by whoever was playing the piano. I think Hovey had his style, and there was Wally Varner with the Blackwoods that had his style, and of course, to me, the best was Eva Mae Lefever. And
0: so even if you couldn't recognize the singers or the, or the vocals, you could listen for the piano, and you could you could pick the group out immediately. Oh yeah,
2: that's true. Is that correct?
3: I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no one no one ever sounded like uh, Eva May. That's, she had a style all of her own, and. She played more notes than anybody
2: else. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anybody knows me, you know, I try my best to sound a lot like Eva May. And uh, that's a style that's really uh, gone from the industry now.
0: And I hope to try
2: to keep it alive as long as I'm
0: living. Thank you to Eva May Lefevre and to Jimmy Jones for stopping in today to be with us on Gospel Classics.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Enjoyed it very much. We'll look forward to getting together real soon again. And, of course, you can tune in next week, same time. Same station. On the Mighty 1190 for Gospel Classics.
4: Was that good?
1: Are we through?
0: I, I think we are. And we didn't talk about Georgia Music Hall of Fame. <laughs> and the comments from J.D. you've got on paper, and we'll just do that later. I introduced her as... Oh, we're
2: going to do a 2 part on this <laughs>